Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here today. I want to welcome you and thank you for braving kind of the construction. I know it's like a maze to find your way in here right now. It's all for good things that are coming, right? And uh, in the meantime, it's a little bit tough. So, but we appreciate you being here today. I want to welcome those of you who are online, those of you who are traveling, who are still joining us and kind of watching with us this morning. Thanks for being here. Hey, let me start with a question I've been having some fun with this week and I've asked a lot of people this question. I've gotten some pretty funny answers. If you could pick whatever animal you would be, all right, what would it be and why? And turn to the person next to you and tell them what that would be. Go ahead and do that right now. If you could pick any animal, what would you be and why? Tell somebody that. Maybe you're online. Let Will know online. What would you be? I've asked a lot of people this question this week, and I've gotten some good answers. I asked my wife, okay, what would she pick? And Hope said she would pick a pampered dog. She said that's what she would be, and I I was like, you know what? That's the world's cutest dog. His name is Boo, okay, and uh, pampered, I'm sure. And I picked that picture because if she said... She said, I want to be a pampered dog. I thought, I'll pick the world's cutest dog. I have the world's cutest wife. You know, points, Bart. Okay, all right. Um, uh, I asked my daughter, Trinity, what, what she and Hope, what they think I would pick. And uh, I was like, what do you think I'd pick? And this is, this is what they said. They Both of them said, you'd pick a bear. I was like, that's not bad. That wasn't my top pick, but I thought, not bad. And here's probably why I'd pick that. I do scratch my back on a lot of corners in our house. They've noticed that. I like honey on biscuits. That's good stuff, right? Getting to sleep through the winter would not be a bad gig. You with me there? Not bad, okay? But that, that wasn't what I picked. You know, I like being top of the food chain there as well. But I was like, no, that's, that's, that's not what I picked. That's my second pick, but this, this would be my first right here. Boom, right there. It is the beginning of Shark Week. You know that, okay? If you've been around, you know that I'm fascinated by them. And they were like, really? That's what you'd pick? I was like, all they're thinking about is what's to eat. You know, that's their, their, they're just swimming around. I like to snorkel, but I'm always afraid of sharks. I wouldn't have to be afraid if that's what I was. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a bad. Plus, they have great smiles. They have great smiles. I love that. But uh, so seriously, what, what did you pick? Would you, uh, anybody out here, did anybody pick? Pick a lion. Anybody pick a lion? Anybody? Okay, some. Okay, right. That's a good pick. Top of, top of the food chain. Majestic king of the jungle. Did anybody pick? Anybody pick a weasel? Anybody pick that? <laughs> Did anybody pick that? I'm not raising my hand, all right? But uh, does some of you know someone that you would say that should be theirs? Anybody know that? Okay, probably. Don't point to them this morning. Um, what about this? Anybody, anybody pick, pick a cat? We pick that, look, looks, Jesus does still love you. I want you to know that. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There's always gonna be those. They love cats, okay? Some of you know my relationship with cats, okay? Um, did anybody pick this? Did anybody pick a sheep? Maybe that little lamb, that is adorable, is it not? Okay, looks so sad. But he is a walking appetizer, you realize that, okay? And they grow up, to be this, okay? Like, does that animal look bright? I asked this question a lot this week. Nobody said I'd be a sheep. But I have bad news for you, okay? When we look in the Bible, and we will in the book of Psalms, the scripture tells us 
this in Psalm 23. Turn there with me. We've been in this series called Summer of Psalms. And you are probably familiar with this psalm, okay? You probably might even have it memorized. And even if you haven't come to church much or whatever, you're familiar with this. It may be the most, it's not only the most famous of the psalms, it could be the most famous of all passages of scripture. But what does it say in, in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. What is the implication there? If the Lord is my shepherd, that makes me a sheep. And you're a sheep. Here a sheep. There a sheep. Everywhere sheep, sheep. Okay, we're, we've, we've even said it before around here talking about this. We could be called sheeple. Okay. Um, but the scripture tells us in this book of Psalms, and it's not just in Psalms, there are other places we'll see in Isaiah where we are often compared to sheep. And I know that's not uh, the most flattering thing that we would like to think of ourselves as, but there's a reason that God would, would tell us this, okay? We've been in this book of Psalms, and as you know, we've talked about how there are 150 of them. Psalms are songs, so there are songs that are meant to be sung back to God, and there are prayers. They are given to us to coach us, really, in how to talk to God. And as we've looked at these psalms, we've learned that there are different genres of psalms. There's about five or six different kinds of psalms. The last two weeks, we have been in psalms of lament. By the way, I've had a lot of you that have reached out and have said, Bart, that is really connected with me. I have felt like we talked Psalm 13 a few weeks ago, and that psalm of lament is, and a lament is, God, I'm struggling. God, I'm not okay with this. And God, we need to talk about this. The psalms of lament show us how to talk to God when everything is not going your way. And we looked at Psalm 13, we looked at Psalm 42. Psalm 13 is, how long, oh God, when we're struggling with timing issues, okay? And then that Psalm 42 would be, where are you, God, when we're struggling with what we're walking through? Is God present with us? And now I want you to know there's another psalm of lament that is Psalm 22, and you'd recognize these words as well. Jesus, when he was on the cross, was quoting this when he said in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalm 22. It's a lament. By the way, go read that because what you'll find is there's, there's all of it. It was written about a thousand years before Jesus became incarnate. And there's all of this messianic prophecy that Jesus would fulfill. And he was pointing people to this, okay? Now, it is not by accident that the 23rd Psalm follows this Psalm of lament, the 22nd. There are a lot of scholars that kind of believe they, they go together here, okay? So you have a Psalm of lament and then the 23rd Psalm, what we'll see, it's not a lament. It is a Psalm of thanksgiving, it is a psalm of, of, of contentment, the psalm of praise. So King David wrote many of these psalms. What we find in these psalms, and this is why I love them so much, is that they are so relatable for every one of us. What you'll find in the psalms is, is that the psalms deal with every form of human emotion that we experience in the good times, but we also discover that it doesn't water down that we walk through difficult times too. The Psalms addresses all of this. And again, so many of you the last two weeks have reached out and have said, 
Lord, I've really, I've been struggling and that psalm of lament helped me because I didn't know how to talk to God. The psalms are given to coach us on how to talk to God. They're given to help us through this and I just wanna be sure that you understand this. Now, if King David wrote this 23rd psalm, which he did, you may be thinking, what does a king know about being a shepherd? How would he understand you know, this? Well, you should know that before he ever became a king, David was kind of low man on the totem pole in his family, and he spent a lot of time in the Judean wilderness. He grew up in Bethlehem, about five miles outside of Jerusalem, and and his responsibility was being a shepherd to sheep. And so he became intimately acquainted with what it means for the relationship between a shepherd and sheep. And what he would essentially say is, because he's been a shepherd, he knows how to give the good life to his sheep. He knows how to do this. And so he is, he's metaphorically speaking that his relationship with God is, is like this shepherd relationship with sheep. And there's certainly some things that we'll see, some dynamics about sheep that we can relate to, okay? Again, I know it's not the most flattering thing for us to be called that, but, but there's some reasons there. David would talk in this psalm, what you're going to find is that he's going to talk about how to have this good life. And I know that every one of us that is here, we are pursuing the good life. All of us are looking for it in one way or another. We want to experience the good life. We want satisfaction in our life. We want contentment in our lives. And many of us are are trying all kinds of ways to find that, yet we are unsatisfied. Or in that process, we, we might feel this low grade, and I know some of you will relate to this, living through life with a low grade anxiety. Maybe it's not a massive anxiety that overwhelms you, but you just never feel like you are at peace. There's a restlessness about you. You go about your days at a, such a fast pace of life because it's what our culture and our society is like. You... you you often feel very tired, not only physically, but just emotionally and spiritually. And, and, and so because of this, this, I want you to know this, that if that's you, I want you to understand this psalm is for you. This psalm is written for those of us who battle with that. Notice I included myself in that because I can find myself in that place of not feeling peace in my, in my life because I'm Oftentimes, I'm trying to find it in the wrong places. And so this psalm we'll find will bring you comfort today. I thought, Lord, I've given them psalms of lament the last two weeks. It's heavy. Needed, but heavy. I feel like we need a psalm of comfort today. And there are some of you that I believe the Lord wants to speak that kind of peace. Listen to me. I don't want to just be just a teacher that's just giving you information. There are some of you who are here today not by, you're not here by accident. You don't need information. You need transformation. You need the Lord to bring this truth into your soul and to displace this restlessness that you feel and this dissatisfaction with contentment and peace. And I want you to know that's what our shepherd offers you. That's such good news. Okay, that's the gospel. So as we explore this psalm, there may be some challenges to you today because it will challenge you in some ways. There may be some course correction, as we'll see. And I want you to know that David takes us on a journey with a shepherd. He's going to take us to four different places, 
four locations we'll explore. And there are, there's such imagery in each of these that is important for us. I'm going to break that down for you. But, but again, not just information. What does God want us to do with what we're about to hear? How does he want to transform my heart and my life to where it's making a difference in the way that I'm living, not just here in an hour or so on Sunday morning, but the rest of the time that I'm out there? This is what is for us, okay? Look at Psalm 23, 1 again. The Lord, that's Yahweh, where it's capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. The Lord is, and I love this, my, is what David says. There's a personal relationship that he has with Yahweh. My shepherd, he is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. This first place that David transports us to in our mind is our shepherd seeks to lead us to a lush pasture. I want you to kind of get that in your mind of this place, of this, of this green meadow. It's a meadow of this, that's just filled with all of this plenty. It's a place of plenty. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You may have memorized it in an, or read it in another translation, an older one that would say, it says what? I shall not want. I shall not want. If you're a sheep in a meadow where the shepherd has led you, what it's saying here, that shepherd has led you into a place of contentment. It's a place of satisfaction, okay? This is what he's saying. Now, he says next, he lets me rest in green meadows. He lets me rest. When I was reading that this week, that word rest really resonated with my soul. (laughs) Because we live at a fast pace, don't we? I talk to all of you all the time, and whether it's texting or just, you know, maybe having lunch with you or, 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 uh, or some of you are, or just talking on the phone or just out in the commons or whatever, and we just talk, and you know what I hear all the time? How are you doing? What's going on? You know the number one thing I hear? Busy, 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 because that's the pace we all live at, and it's exhausting, and we're worn out, and we have zero margin in our lives, and And it's a huge victory you're here today, right? But this is a word that all week has resonated with my soul because I find myself doing the same thing and I find myself not just physically tired but just emotionally and spiritually tired often. But what I hear is this, this word rest, and it's what the shepherd wants for you and for me. Is that good news? Amen, right? He wants us to experience this. Now here's... What I know is I know very little about sheep. There, we, I have some friends that were in the last service, and they actually have a sheep farm not far from here. And I thought, maybe I should bring a sheep up on stage. But then I thought, maybe not for three services, okay? Maybe another time. So I thought, you know what? I have some great books on sheep uh, and being a shepherd. I want to recommend a book to you. Uh, it's a book by Philip Keller called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. And this book is a great book because Philip Keller was a shepherd. And he's going to take that psalm and he's going to give us insights. And I want to bring you a few of those, okay, in these next few moments where he says this, what he's talking about that in this one chapter is that sheep struggle with just being still and laying down. That there are a couple of conditions that have to happen for a sheep to feel like it can just rest. 
And the first one he talks about is, is this, they're not hungry. They are filled. There's fullness there. It's a place of plenty, okay? And David is saying this meadow where God has led me has satisfied all of my needs. I have plenty. I am content. Therefore, I don't need to worry. I don't, I don't need to worry, and so I can rest. So a sheep to lay down has to experience that. Here's the second thing. They're, they have to feel like they are safe. They have to feel like they are protected. So you have a place of plenty. Now you have a place of protection where they know that they're okay. Look at these sheep right here. They look content. Do we have them, don't they? Look at that little look on their face. They're like, nothing's about to eat us, okay? And then all of a sudden, you're either this one or you're that. That's what they do, right? They're skittish. They realize that the only thing that is underneath them in the food chain is grass. And they have this understanding. So they, they will not lay down. They, they, they're like this. They won't lay down unless they feel safe. You have a place of plenty. You have a place of protection. This green meadow is a place of peace. Shalom. You know what shalom means? Everything within is as it should be. That's what it means. It's this internal peace. This lush pasture is what pasture is what David is talking about. And then he says this next. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Maybe you know it this way. Still waters. That water is still, it's calm. I want you to, in your mind, what David is trying to transport you to is this place where, you know, if you're around a body of water and it's like early in the morning and there's no wind and it's like glass. There's a peacefulness about that. Some of us, we find that as this place where we find peace. We connect with God out on the lake when it's like that or wherever you may be. And he's saying that it's this peaceful stream. And in this peaceful stream is where he renews my strength. That's where I'm actually able to get a good drink of, Jesus would talk about this, living water. Water that fills my soul, restores me, okay? And, and, and so David is, is just describing this place of calm, refreshing, a pool of peacefulness. Well, um, this, in this book, it would talk about this, that sheep will not drink from a fast-flowing river or stream. They're afraid. They don't swim well. They're skittish. So a shepherd, in fact, he even says some of them would die of dehydration before they would take a drink, okay, uh, from a fast-flowing stream. So a shepherd would need to lead them to a place to get that drink, and that's what this shepherd is doing. David is equating this shepherd is doing this for me. And when I was reading this this time, because of my recent trip over to the Holy Land, uh, which has helped me with just a lot of just processing passages like this, and again, I thank you for that, um, this Judean wilderness that David would have been familiar with, it's, it's not far from the Dead Sea. It's like right there, and it is dry and hot and arid, and, and it doesn't really look like a place where there would be these these lush pastures that he's talking about here. 
What do we know about David? That he went on the run when when he had been anointed king. Saul came after him. Saul was the first king and was a jealous, insecure king. David had to run. And so he ran into the Judean wilderness. But David had spent a lot of time in that wilderness and he knew where the places were that he could hide out, where he would find peaceful oasis. And so while we were there in that area, in in those Judean hills there, where it's hot and dry, they took us in this one area, and they took us up, kind of trekked up through some mountains up in there, and this is what we found at the very top. It's called David's Waterfall. And at David's Waterfall, it's, it's this peaceful place. And I could just, when I was there, we got some pictures there. The water there is still, the water's trickling down out of the springs that are in the hills in this desert area. I was just envisioning David just kick back like in a hot tub right there. Okay, but it was cool. You know, the water's cool. And he would, he would be in a place like this, and I don't know if this is what he was speaking of, but I know that he must have thought about this. That this was a place that he could relax. This is a place where he felt safe. This is a place he felt protected. He felt at peace. And he felt like in the middle of a wilderness and desert, he was provided for. This, This must have been going through his mind at some point. There's provision, protection, peace. And and whenever I hear about this, this is the kind of life that God as our shepherd wants for you and for me, I don't know about you, but I think, man, I'm in on that. How about you? I I want that. I want to experience that. I want that to be true about me. How do I find that kind of meadow, Bart? Well, here's the problem. The problem is we have to remember something. We're sheep. Sheep don't find those kinds of meadows on their own. Sheep are out in the wilderness, and many times these sheep, they end up, if they don't have someone that leads them there, they die of dehydration. And so they have a shepherd, okay? And so um, now you may be thinking, man, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have this. We don't know how to find this, so we need someone to lead us to this. And maybe when you think meadows and pastures, as we're talking, that this is what David was dealing with there, okay? Do we have that now? Yeah, like, you're like, look at that. That is so lush or whatever. You need to know, though, that's not Israel. That's Ireland. <laughs> that's not Israel. I think life would be good for a sheep in Ireland because it's just this lush pastures everywhere. But they need a shepherd in Israel because this is what David would be dealing with in those Judean hills. It's barren, isn't it? Now you'll see all over, you'll see still shepherds with their sheep out in those hills just like that. And they'll be grazing, and you're like, what in the world? But then they'll have to take them to a place of plenty, and they'll have to take them to a place where they can find that kind of still waters. And, and this is also in Israel. I want you to see that there are those kinds of places there. And the good shepherds would know where they are. The good shepherds would lead them to these still waters. That's in the Judean hills. It's in a way he would lead them to places where they would be able to eat like this. And David is saying, because Yahweh is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I'm in a rough place in my life right now, but here is what I have. I have rest. I have safety. 
Yahweh does this for me as my shepherd, and this is huge. What David is saying is it is only through the connection with our shepherd that we can experience life like that. David understands that your connection and my connection with the shepherd who, by the way, I want you to know that everything that we talk about in the Psalms, even in the Old Testament, everything we believe here, everything is pointing to Jesus. Everything is. It's all pointing to him. And so many places Jesus would, would talk about these very same kinds of things. Living water, peace, the things that he offers us, right? He would talk about being in John 10, the good shepherd. He talks about all these kinds of things. It all is connected. And you may be like, well, what is my response? If this is what I need in my life, how do I respond when the shepherd is calling me to this Well, here is your word. This is a key word for us, and it has to happen for each of us. It's this word, humility. Here's what I mean by that. Humility means that we come to the Lord, and we humble ourselves, and we say, I have tried every other way for satisfaction in my life. Lord, this is what I admit to you. I need you. I have to humble myself and say, God, I need you to fill the needs of my life, to to bring me contentment. I can't seem to find this on my own. I need you, Lord, to be my shepherd. Everything leads us back to Jesus. On the side of a hill in Galilee, Jesus would preach a message called the Sermon on the Mount. And it was this sermon packed with how to experience the good life we're looking for. And he would say this, he would start by saying, blessed, that word blessed means this. Blessed means, it's makarios, it means happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that means? The humble. Blessed are those who admit that they need God. Happy are you when you admit that you have a need for God, that you can't fill this void in your life. And he says, it starts with this. And I wonder for you, if you have admitted that, have you humbled yourself before God and you've said, God, I need you in my life. I've tried everything else. I'm dissatisfied. God, what I need is for you to guide me and to be my shepherd. And I just want to say today that if that hasn't happened for you, I hope you hear the invitation of a shepherd that loves you, of a shepherd that is offering that kind of life to you, that he offers that to you, and it just starts with just humility. In fact, I would even tell you, don't wait to the end of my message when we pray to say, Lord, I want you as my Savior. I'd tell him right now if that's how you're feeling. You can pray with your eyes wide open, and you just say, Lord, I want you as my shepherd. Starts with humility, okay? What we find is David says, I have to humble myself here. Keep reading. He says in verse 3, he guides me. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Okay, so this honor to his name, it's that he does this for me, this contentment in my life. Maybe my circumstances don't change, but, but my inner person changes because there's contentment I find in the shepherd Here's what he's saying, and God gets the glory for that because people are watching how we go through our times like this. Maybe our kids are watching us or maybe neighbors or people you work with, and and he does this for his, to brings honor to his name. So here's another location that we see. It's this right path. He talks about this green meadow, 
And now he talks about a path. And this path, the shepherd is the one that knows how to guide us to that lush pasture. He knows the way to contentment. He knows the way to provision. He knows the way to peace, no matter what our circumstances are. Uh, Any ancient Hebrew person who had been hearing this or singing this, when the word path is used, they understand that a path is equivalent to a way of life. It's a metaphor for a way that you choose to live your life. And, And this is uh, an example, in Proverbs chapter 3, this is one of the first verses that I ever memorized. Whenever I first became a believer as a teenager, I had a coach that was kind of pouring into me, and he challenged me to memorize this one. And here's, here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Which way? How do I get to that place? It's the path, okay? And what is his path? His path is a way to inner contentment. It's inner happiness that we're seeking in our lives. Psalm 119, David would write this. Make me walk along the path. But what path? Of your commands. This is a way of life. Of your commands. For that is where my happiness is found. That's where I find this is whenever I'm I'm in your will. I'm doing things. Here's what it is. Your way, God. I'm choosing to align my life with yours. I'm choosing to respond to you in the boundaries that you have provided for me. That word commands, for some of us, we kind of push back. It's kind of our inner rebel. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. Well, you don't have to do this, but here is the truth. You are on a path. Every one of us. What path are you on? A path that you have chosen that where your shepherd is not leading you, you're heading somewhere. Every path leads us to places. So these commandments are God's ways for us. These guardrails he has given us because he wants us to experience the good life, okay, even now. So the idea that David is expressing this, this path, he's saying this is what leads us to the good life. Well, what is my response? If if that's what he's saying, this is how I get there, what, what do I need to do if I'm a sheep? Here's your word. This is our application. I follow. That's the word. I stay close to my shepherd. I follow where he's leading me, okay, to this place. I follow you, Lord. Here's what that means. That means I do what you say. That means what your word says about things, I trust that to be the way. Even when everything else, culture, my heart, you know what I know about, about the path that we're on with God? There are a lot of little side paths that venture off into certain areas. And let's just be real, a lot of them look really appealing. And sometimes we get off on those paths, don't we? And we end up being far away because we took a wrong turn at a path that was appealing to us, but it wasn't God's path. We decided to do something our way instead of following God's way in this because it looked good. I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow, how many times do we hear this today? I'm going to follow my truth. That's such a dangerous path to follow because Scripture tells us, and I know you're good folks, okay, but Scripture tells us about all of us, that our heart is, deceit, is deceptive, that it deceives us. 
So we need something that is not relative truth. We need something that is actually true. And Jesus would say that about himself. Jesus would say that he is the way. By the way, Isaiah would say this, because here's what I know. I'm prone to wander. You're prone to wander. It's the inner rebel within us. All of us, that means everyone here, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. We're prone to this. We're prone to wandering is what I know about my heart. In my brokenness and in my inner rebel, I many times think that I know better than God about things. And so because I have some control freak in me, you know, anybody else? Okay, don't let me hang in. Um, I can venture onto the wrong path. Maybe that's just like you. And, and here's what I find. Whenever I do that, I don't experience the still water. I don't experience the green meadow. I may take a path and it leads me out into an arid wasteland. You're on a path. Are you following the shepherd on the path and his ways? Or are you following your path? Jesus told people, I am the way. That's a path. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father that green meadow, that living waters, all of it, no one can come but by me. So which path are you on today? Maybe you are in a place where you're, you've been walking that path and maybe a relationship, you've decided you want to kind of do it your way instead of God's way that God talks about, you know. And, and it's, God's way is, is where there's no pride, there's, there's forgiveness because we all hurt each other, right, and we all mess up. And... Um, but instead, this relationship, there's a lot of pride, there's a lot of arrogance that leads to kind of a, a wasteland instead of lush green meadows. Maybe for you, it could be the way you handle money. And you're going to do it your way instead of following God's way in this. And what, what you find is that that path will lead you where you're trying to find satisfaction in your own kind of way. This, maybe it's the way you handle anger. And you're going to do it your way instead of processing it God's way. Maybe it's your marriage, whatever it is, all of these things. By the way, do you know that these are all things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount? He says there's God's way and then your way of doing this. And then at the very end of that whole Sermon on the Mount, do you know what he says? There are two paths. Which one are you going to pick? You're on a path. Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come follow me to this Lush green meadow where I can give you uh, living water. And, and, but here's my question. When you follow the good shepherd, question for you, because I know that many of you are, does that mean that it's always easy and smooth sailing for you? Well, there'd be some preachers that would lie to you and say that that is that, but I don't find that in the Bible anywhere. What I find is that actually Jesus promises us that we will have trouble in this world. That's actually what he says. But he says, but take heart, even though you have trouble, take heart because you're close to me. Oh, by the way, I've overcome the world. And I, I want you to know that, that even following God on the right path can be tough sometimes. How do we know? Well, keep reading the psalm. Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, 
Have you ever been in a dark valley? Some of you are in a valley today. You may recognize that as the valley of the, if you memorized it another way, shadow of, that sounds ominous, doesn't it? Shadow of death. Scary sounding. But look at what he says. So not if you go through this dark valley, when you go through this dark valley, listen to his declaration. I will not be afraid. I will not fear. I want you to notice how the language changes from him talking about the good shepherd to talking to. Do you see this? Look. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The third part of this journey is this dark valley. And David is real about this. The scripture is real with us about this. This this valley of this shadow of death. In the Judean wilderness, there are all of these hills. And because there are hills everywhere, there are also valleys with lots of shadows. Do you know what that is called there in Israel? The valley of the shadow of death. Did you realize that is an actual place? It's Wadi Kelt. And it is in that Judean wilderness, and David must have walked through that many, many times. It's an area where it was dangerous. You can see, dangerous, there would be predators there. There would be robbers, bandits. If you are a sheep and you are wandering through that by yourself, you are a meal for somebody. That's why you need a shepherd to guide you through that valley. What does the valley feel like? What, is the, what does it look like in my life? It's not the first world problems that many of us think are the valley. It's real things that many of you are going through, like you've lost a loved one and you are grieving deeply right now. That is a valley. That's a dark valley. It's when you lose a job and you're wondering how you're going to get through it. It's when you... You struggle maybe because your spouse left you. That's a valley, right? It's, it's when you go through this place of, of a friendship that has been broken and it won't seem to heal and there's a lot of pride there, you're in a valley relationally. Maybe your business is failing and you don't know what you're going to do about money and you're scared in this valley. Maybe... You got a DUI and you're in this valley right now and you realize you messed up, but it's a valley. It's real and may think, well, how do we get in this valley? Well, sometimes we make bad decisions that put us in the valley. Sometimes it's just that the world is broken and we end up in the valley. But I want you to see something here. Sometimes the shepherd leads us into the dark valley. But it's never to be punitive. It's to... Always take us, not arbitrarily into a valley, but to take us to a better place. A better place. You're like, are you kidding me? I can make the right choices. I can follow the shepherd. I can do all these things you say. And I still can end up in the dark valley. I'm not going to lie to you. Because the scripture clearly says yes. But what does he say? I don't have to be afraid. You know what? I'm close to my shepherd. 
And then he talks about this. He, he says, Lord, he said, he's not saying about the shepherd, you, you know, he leads me, decides this. He turns it to you are close beside me. You protect me with your rod. You comfort me with your staff. The rod was something that the shepherd would use for protecting the sheep from predators. He would beat off. David had killed a bear and a lion, and he'd used probably a rod. The, the staff is for comfort. When a sheep will go astray, you see that hook, it would, it would bring them. Because you know what sheep will do? They'll get stuck, and instead of backing up, do you know what sheep do? They keep trying to go through that crevice. Shepherd would have to go, i, I got to pull you out of this. You need to come get close to me again. Because we just, we have this tendency to do this. He says, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me, your rod, your staff. So here is the word. If I'm in the valley right now, and some of you are, what is my response when I'm in the valley? Here's what David is getting at in this psalm. It is a psalm of trust. God, I don't get this right now. I'm struggling with this right now. But you are my good shepherd. You are the one who leads me through this time. And here's the thing. He didn't promise you wouldn't go through the valley. But what he's saying here is you will not go through this valley alone. Your shepherd is near to you. You got to trust him in this moment. That valley of shadow of death, that always kind of struck me. And I got to thinking about that and... You know, and I've heard others who have talked about this before. The shadow of death. Okay, there are lots of shadows that are in here. I see mine down here. A shadow can't hurt me. Do you know what I mean? The shadow of death. Listen to me, believer. This is for all of you who are in Jesus Christ. We are all physically at some point. We are going to experience, and many of us have experienced this with loved ones, physical death. But because of what Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, has done by laying down his life on the cross, defeating not only sin, but being raised from the dead, this is why someone like Paul could say, where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where is your victory? I don't even have to fear death anymore. Because here is the thing, Jesus Christ has overcome even death. This is, this is what our good shepherd has done. But I have, to, I have to trust in that valley that this is true. Here's the final place in this journey, okay? Look at verse 5. He says this, you prepare a feast for me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. And surely your goodness an unfailing love, that word unfailing is hesed, it's loyal, pursuing, God never giving up on me kind of love. That kind of love, he says, pursues me all the days of my life. And I will live or dwell in the house of the Lord, what does it say? Forever. Here's this final place, it's the table of contentment. The imagery changes, do you see this? It's not a shepherd. Now he switches gears and it's a host. It's an invitation to sit at a table of, of fullness. 
not just only one day in heaven, although that's great, but right now to live with him in this kind of life, in your circumstances now, to live in this kind of peace where he says, see, I want you to see the now part of this because he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That means the circumstances haven't changed. I still have people, David had people after, but now it's different. It's in the presence of my enemies. But here's the thing, a host in this time protected. It was this rule. You protected those that were sitting at your table. He was the protector. The host is the protector. And this is what David is saying. I've got people that are still coming after me, but I'm sitting at the table with God right now, and I'm going to be okay. This is what he's saying. You anoint my head with oil. Now, we don't do that today, okay? If you come to my house, I'm not pouring oil on your head or anything like that. But they did back then. And this was over-the-top, extravagant hospitality to refresh your, your soul. It was, it was really, it was this, this symbol of just, you are welcome in my home. Then he says, my cup of wine is overflowing, for you Baptists, you're grape juice, okay? All right, it's overflowing. But my wine is overflowing with God. That's what they would have, okay? This wine is overflowing as I experience this kind of fellowship. And that is the kind of love and shepherd who pursues me now and all of my life. What does he want from me in this? What's my response? This is what it is. You're at the table. This is what he asks Stay with him. Remain. He says, I will dwell. That word means this. It means to abide. I will live with him. I will walk with him daily. As I walk with him daily, as I abide with him in the valley, also I get to sit at the table with him. This, this is what our good shepherd, the kind of life... Yes, he saves us and we get to go to heaven one day, praise God. But I want you to know the salvation is as much for you right now as you live in your circumstances as it is for the day that you will totally escape all of the brokenness of this world because he has overcome the world. But right now, you get Jesus now. Jesus said in John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the living water. I'm the one that fills your cup. I, everything, all this is pointing to Jesus. And I want you to know that that is offered for you and for me today. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me today. I want to thank you for, for just listening intently today. And I, I just wonder how the Lord wants you to respond today. Is it humility? Maybe today is a day that you humble your heart and you say, God, I need you. I want you in my life. Lord, I, I bow my life before you. I receive you, Jesus, as my shepherd, as the good shepherd. I've tried to do life my way, Lord. I want you, Lord. I can't do this. I can't save myself. I can't find satisfaction on my own. Will you come into my life, Jesus? Thank you. I believe you died for me, Jesus. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. I believe he did that for me. I believe you've been raised from the dead. 
and I receive this gift of eternal life. You can tell him that right now. And I want you to know he promises you not only heaven one day, he promises to be with you as you walk through every valley right now. As you stay close to him, as you abide in him. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Maybe today it's you've been, you've been on the path before, but you somehow got sidetracked. Some of you, you just need to take one step, because that's all you got to take, one step to get back, because Jesus has been pursuing you. One step to get back on the path with him today. Today is a day where maybe you kind of make a decision to turn away from some stuff and to turn back to God. What is your response to him today? Father, we are so grateful. We love you. We praise you. Those who are in the valley today, Lord, would you comfort them? Would you give them, Lord, just to, may they just sense your presence so that they may trust you deeper, Lord. And Father, we want to remain in you. We want to abide in you. We want to walk in you and practice your presence daily because it's what transforms our soul. Maybe our circumstances don't change, but we change. So may your peace right now, Lord, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, may your peace fill the hearts of your people right now and displace anxiety and depression and fear and worry because you are our good shepherd. In your name we pray.